At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A rumor for Lebo. Welcome to Lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now part of the Easton Family Podcast. And got a great podcast for you. It's in the second segment. We go out to the great state of Pennsylvania. That's where we find John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler. Going to talk a little bit about this Phillies and Mets doubleheader in which... Well, I feel like we've been evaluating the same pitching matchup for three days, and it's because we have between Max Scherzer and Kyle Gibson. So we're going to dive into just a little bit more about gauging double headers, being able to handicap them, because it is going to be at the forefront. Because once again, we've got 18 games today. In the final segment, I am going to be giving you guys picks and analysis on all of them and a little something I like to call touch them all. And also going to take a look at just other games of intrigue that do stand out, including a fade of a certain American League pitcher. So that'll be fun. And if you do have a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at June at underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters here. If it does not matter, size per usual, please send these into the timeline. And the other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, Arable Fire, whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast, via that five-star review. Really didn't get in any Twitter questions today, but we wound up seeing 10 out of the 15 games that we wound up getting in Major League Baseball on Saturday. Go over the total, so let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. At last, the Cincinnati Reds won a baseball game. 9-2 to the final. Game one of their doubleheader with the Pirates. They get it done. JT Brubaker, who has been very shaky on the road throughout his career, actually not bad. Gives up two runs over the course of five innings, but what did them in was three errors in this game, including 
Mr. Solzer, who wanted coming in in relief, Paul Solzer, gives up three unearned runs due to his own error, and then you wind up having Will Crow coming in long relief, four runs, three of which weren't given up while getting four outs. Anthony Bonda gave you a pair of outs out of the bullpen, but the Reds, they wound up entering into the eighth inning, tied up two to two, and then they put up a seven spot as this made it nine overs in their last ten games as Connor Overton, yeah, I guess that's an overname right there, gives up two runs over the course of five and a third innings, and in that stretch, he wanted pitching in the low and under, so go figure there, Luis Sessa, one and two-thirds innings, scoreless. You wind up having Lucas Sims under circling. Also give you a scoreless inning as you wind up having the Pirates punch out 12 times against legitimately one of the worst pitching rotations that we've ever seen. But have no fear because the Reds wind up still losing on Saturday because in game two of the doubleheader, they got crushed by kind of eight to five. And this is a game that really died after the fourth inning. It's all but one of the runs were scored in the first four innings of this game as you wind up having Ben Gamble get a second home run season. You wind up getting a home run off the bat of Diego Casillo, second home run season. Yoshi Satsugo was able to get his second home run of the campaign. And Brian Reynolds is third. As for the Cincinnati Reds, Donnie Moretta was the opener in this game. Gives up two runs and he gets one out. That is not helpful for a Cincinnati Reds starting rotation whose ERA is north of an 8-7. And then Philip Deal, he gives up two runs at two-thirds of an inning, including a pair of bombs. You wind up having Robert Duggar, who's just not good in general, giving up three runs over the course of three innings. And then Alexis Diaz gave you a scoreless inning. He winds up having a 0-71 ERA coming out of this. You did wind up having Tony Santian and Jeff Hoffman. Goodbye for three innings, giving up one run. And Jared Solomon in his Major League debut pitched a scoreless inning. And he did wind up having Brendan Drury for the Cincinnati Reds get his fifth home run season. That does wind up coming off of Mitch Keller. He gives up all five of the runs over the course of four and a third innings. And the Pirates now have 11 wins. They've all come from bullpen pitchers. Chris Stratton along David Benari will give you a scoreless inning. Heath Emery, he gets a win with a pair of outs out of the bullpen. And then Max Kranich was able to give you two scoreless innings. So, wound up seeing a splitter-rooney there between the Dodgers and the Cubs. It was all Dodgers in this one. First game goes to them by a count of 7-0. Clayton Kershaw, seven scoreless innings. And then Phil Bickford-Reyes, Bonanta, were able to give you a scoreless inning as you had Jacob Barnes get his turn over in the, the campaign as Drew Smiley comes off of the injured list and actually the bereavement list. And he was not so smiley in this one. Four and a third innings, giving up three runs, two of which were earned. Robbie Gazelle, unfortunately, was able to save the Cubs' bullpen because they wound up having to go with a bullpen game in game two. Four runs given up in three two-thirds innings as Sean Newcomb gives you a scoreless inning. And then in game two, Dodgers wind up taking it by a count of six to two as both of these games had relatively low totals. And Tyler Anderson has actually been very solid for the Dodgers. He winds up giving up two runs over the course of five innings, including Homer going deep for the Chicago Cubs in this one. One, Mr. Wilson Contreras, who was able to get his third home run season, had a triple in this game as well, so had a shot at a cycle. But from there, Danny Hudson, Craig Kimbrell, they both give you a scoreless inning, and Bruce Sutter, Gratterall, two scoreless innings, and then Mookie Betts, he wound up driving in all the runs as this was a big oddity. The Dodgers won this game by a count of 6-2 on three hits, and the Cubs had six. I mean, that makes no sense whatsoever, but Poots, but Betts wound up having all but one of those hits as he winds up being able to get a home run after David Robertson late in this game. Robertson gives up two runs over the course of an inning. Daniel Norris gives up three runs and one in a third innings. And if you're wondering why the Dodgers wound up getting so many runs on such few hits, nine walks given up by the Cubs in this one. Keegan Thompson, two and two-thirds innings giving up a run. Chris Martin, Rowan Wick, Scotty Frost, Michael Givens, all able to give you scoreless innings out of the bullpen from there. You did wind up seeing the Milwaukee Brewers fall to the Atlanta Braves by a count of 3-2 to two as Ronald Acuna Jr. is back in full force. Winds up getting his second home run of the season, taking one Cubin Boone steep and Burns. 
a solid start in this one. He gives up two runs, one of which were earned, including that home run over the course of six innings. And then from there, you have Luis Perdomo give you two scoreless innings. So all the big guns in the Brewers bullpen preserved in this one, although you did wind up having a pair of fielding errors from Lorenzo Cain and Colton Wong in. He did wind up having Hunter Renfro go deep off of Max Freed for his sixth home run season for Freed. Gives up that solo home run over the course of seven innings. He was solid. A.J. Mitchell gives you a scoreless inning, and then Kenley Jansen. He winds up giving up one run over the course of an inning. So, Braves are able to get it done. They're now 13-16 and 16 for the season, and at 19-9, and nine, Brewers still tied for the second-best win percentage out there in the big league. So, they've been able to do a solid job. The Minnesota Twins and the Oakland A's played one of those unders that we wound up seeing on Saturday. 1-0 the final as the Oakland A's. Man, this has been a sad disgrace of an offense as they have scored three runs or fewer in all but one game thus far this month and they have scored one run or fewer now four out of their last five. It's not going well as James Caprillion, tough luck loser, gives up the solo home run over the course of five and two-thirds innings. That was to Mr. Ore Palanco, his third home run season. From there, you do wind up having A.J. Puck give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Zach Jackson gives you out of the bullpen along through Trevino and then Sam Ball comes in for a scoreless inning before the Minnesota Twins. Griffin Jacks got you jacks up. He wound up giving you one and two-thirds innings scoreless. He and Danny Columbi combined three Three scoreless settings, Yuan Duran, two scoreless settings, and Sonny Gray, fresh off the injured list, four scoreless settings. So the Twins able to get it done out there. For the Blue Jays and the Guardians, they wind up splitting their double dip. First one wound up going to the Blue Jays by kind of 8-3. to three. And for the Guardians, the fastball velocity, this was tweeted out by at Skating Tripods, Adam Burke. It is down for our good friend Shane Bieber, and it's too late to say sorry for Mr. Bieber. Seven runs given up over the course of three and a third innings. From there, the rest of the bullpen was solid. Anthony Goose, Antiches, they were able to give you scoreless innings. Aniel De Los Santos, he winds up giving up a run in an inning. And then two and two-thirds innings, scoreless out of Anthony Castro. You did not wind up getting much offense out of the Guardians in this one as the Blue Jays. They did wind up having Kevin Gosman fire on full force as he wound up giving up his first walk of the season in this start. Gives up one run over the course of six and a third innings. Trent Thornton did give up a pair of outs out of the bullpen while getting two outs, but Julian Merriweather, pair of scoreless innings. And for the Blue Jays, they do go four of ten with Ben in scoring position, but then in game two, Guardians get their revenge eight to two. The final for the Blue Jays. Ross Stripling gives up four runs over the course of four innings, including a bomb as being able to hit a home run off of him. Fred Mel Reyes, who was in an almighty slump prior to the series. His third home run season. David Phelps gives up a run in an inning. You do wind up having Ryan Baruki give up two runs in an inning, and Casey Lawrence gives up one run over the course of two innings. And for the Cleveland Guardians, Tristan McKenzie, looking relatively solid to begin the year, gives up two runs over the course of six innings. Ryan Shaw, Trevor Steven, Emmanuel Classe come in. They're able to hold down the fort for scoreless innings. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, it's been a real slog for this offense as they have scored three runs or fewer in four out of their first six games of this month and they've been one of your top under teams in all of Major League Baseball. The Houston Astros have been an under team as well, but they did just enough to get the job done against the Detroit Tigers, winning on the money line, but not the run line by a count of three to two. Michael Fulmer gives up two runs in an inning as that wound up costing the team. Eduardo Rodriguez, a very solid start, giving up a solo run over the course of six and two-thirds innings as Jose Altuve was able to get his fourth home run season. Then you did have Alex Lang getting out of the bullpen, but here was a problem for the Tigers. One of 16 with men in scoring position. Good gosh almighty, that was terrible. As Fran Berval does, he winds up giving up nine hits and a walk in six innings that gives up just two runs. From there, Ryan Stanek, Brian Abreu, Ryan Presley able to come in for scoreless settings. So the Astros, they dodged a lot of bullets in this one, but they win despite being out it by kind of 4-11 to and committing an error of their own while the Tigers committed zero. So that was absolutely fun. 
This was not fun if you're a fan of the Boston Red Sox. Another late game collapse for this team. They entered into the ninth inning up by a count of one to zero, and they lose by a count of three to one as the White Sox win despite going two of fourteen with men in scoring position as Dylan Cease putting together a nice season thus far. Gives up one run over the course of five innings. From there, you do wind up having Bennett Sousa, Jose Ruiz, Liam Hendricks. I'll give you a scoreless setting, and Ronaldo Lopez was able to give you two scoreless settings, and then for the Boston Red Sox, Nick Pavetta, great start in this one, six scoreless settings. Ryan Brazier. John Schreiber, Matt Stram, they are able to combine for two scoreless settings, but then Ansel Robles gives up a run in the 10th inning, and then Matt Barnes, two runs, one of which was earned, given up in the 10th as the Boston Red Sox. They allowed 10 men to be stranded on base. That was not necessarily too terrific for them. This was not terrific if you wound up taking the under. Over wound up cashing in this game in the second inning. The San Francisco Giants clobber the St. Louis Cardinals by a count of 13-7. to Stephen Matz, what he didn't miss? Bats. He winds up giving up eight runs and got six outs. Thanks for showing up, Steven Matz, who now has a 7-0-1 ERA. He gave up a trio of bombs in the process. Wilmer Flores, third home run season. Darren Ruff, his first home run season. Mauricio Dubon, first home run season. Logan Webb wasn't necessarily too terrific in this one. He gets the win, giving up four runs over the course of five innings, and then you would have wind up having Zach Liddell give up three runs in an inning, including home run to Dylan Carlson, his first of the season, Dominique Leone. Tyler Rogers, along Charlon Garcia, I'll give you scoreless settings, but for the St. Louis Cardinals, this team should have been called Hickory because they got smoked. Cody Whitley, three runs given up, and he didn't get a single out. Nick Wickering gives up a run in an inning. The Woodford, Jake Woodford, gives up a unearned run over the course of three and a third innings. You wound up having a trio of errors in this game by the Cardinals as well. Packy Dotton, one of the best names that you're ever going to hear. He winds giving you a pair of outs out of the bullpen and TJ McFarlane, a scoreless saying to be able to get it done there. This has been very much an under series and the unders continued between the Diamondbacks and the Colorado Rockies. Mark Melanson winds up giving up all four runs in the ninth inning as the Rockies win by kind of four to one. 500-year-old Mark Melanson gives up four runs, three of which were earned while getting two outs. Tough luck for Zach Davies, who gave his best start in a long time. Six and a third inning scoreless Joe Manette. Tipley gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. He's not got a 0.82 ERA, by the way. Ian Kennedy gives you a scoreless setting, and then Kyle Nelson gives you an out of the bullpen. But for the Arizona Diamondbacks, not a lot doing on offense as you wound up having Kyle Freeland deliver six scoreless settings. Tyler Kinley and Daniel Bard, they wind up giving you scoreless settings as well as Alex Calme. Gave up three walks, wound up allowing a run in the process. But the Rockies now 16 and 11, and they've looked much better on the road thus far this season. The Colorado Rockies, five and six on the road with their home and road splits. It's actually not too bad, so they're able to get it done there. The Miami Marlins wound up cutting things open late in their game against the San Diego Padres to be able to get the over and be able to get the win. Eight to zero, the finalist. Shamanea, not necessarily a terrific start here for the Padres as he does wind up giving up three runs along the way of six innings and he did wind up giving up a home run. Going deep for the Miami Marlins, you wind up having a little bit of a new gentleman as I believe that it was Joe Dunnett who wound up giving getting his first home run season but then Ore Soler it would be able to get a grand slam in the ninth inning. It's fourth of the season. That comes off of Ray Kerr, which this game was 3-0 to zero going into the ninth. If you wind up having the under, you should just feel sick about that as Nelson Lamette wound up being the one that loaded up the bases. Gives up three runs in two-thirds of an inning. Kerr winds up giving up two runs in a third of an inning. Nabal Krismet was able to give you two scoreless innings and one Pablo Lopez. Very solid start here. Eight scoreless innings. Lewis said he gives you a scoreless inning as well. So the Padres, they fall to 18-10. and 10. You wind up seeing the Tampa Bay Rays wind up being able to cut open their game with the Seattle Mariners late five spot in the eighth inning cashes this over as they get it done by a count of eight to two Drew Rasmussen another good start for him one run given up in five innings since becoming a starter in late August last season a sub 2-5 ERA Colin Pooch 
along with Brooks Rayleigh. Both give you a scoreless inning. Ray Garza does wind up giving up a solo home run in his two innings of work going deep for the Seattle Mariners. Abraham Toro, third home run season, but that came a little bit too little too late. Marco Gonzalez's big fault with the Seattle Mariners, giving up hard contact. He did wind up giving up three runs, two of which were earned over the course of five and a third innings, which included a pair of bombs to Brandon Lau, who got loud. Fourth and fifth home runs of the season, then Manuel Margot. Grand slam the eighth inning to cut it open against Diego Castillo. And Castillo, the former Ray, winds giving up five runs and he got zero outs. Can't go much worse than that. Ryan Mills was able to give you a scoreless inning. Riley O'Brien was as well. And then Penn Murphy, one and two-thirds inning scoreless for the Tampa Bay Rays. Their bullpen was relatively solid as well. So they wind up getting the win and they are now nine and three on the road this season. And the Washington Nationals were able to get a W by kind of seven to three against the LA Angels. For the Nets, you wind up having a trail of home runs in this one. Yadiel Hernandez and Josh Bell both wind up going deep off of Michael Lorenzen. Hernandez, his second home run season, Bell is fourth as you figured that there was going to be a little bit of regression for Lorenzen. Gives up five runs over the course of four and two-thirds innings. And then Elvis Piguero. Elvis left the building, giving up two runs over the course of a third of an inning. From there, Kyle Bearclaw and Jimmy Argo were both able to give you two scoreless innings apiece. So they were able to do a solid job there. And for the... LA Angels. It was the first time that they wound up giving up more than three runs since they wound up having that close call against the White Sox in which Dallas Keiko was starting and they were up 6-0 in the ninth inning and very nearly blew it but Josiah Gray gives up three runs over the course of five and a third innings including a pair of home runs going deep for the LA Angels here. Walsh fifth home run season. Brandon Marsh is fourth and then from there bullpen went to work. Steve Ciszek pair of outside the bullpen. You wind up having Tanner Rainey give you a scoreless inning. Andy Urasomoto-Mirez was able to give you two scoreless. And for the Washington Nationals, actually now I believe 7-9 and nine on the road and at home. They have just been absolutely putrid. So we wind up seeing some very interesting action there. And if you're taking a look at Major League Baseball and what we've all been able to get this season in general, it's been very much favorite heavy. 60.5% of games going to favorites 241 and 157 straight up. But if you're looking at the run line, they have been able to cover these games just 182 times. So we have seen 59 games as far this season in which the team that was favored winds up winning by approximately one run. And most of it has been via the home team as away favorites 88 and 54 straight up, which is 62% by the way. And on the run line, road favorites, they have covered the run line all but 13 times since they are 75 and 72 on the run line. If you're looking at unders, 208 unders this season, 171 overs. That is 45.1% to the over, and it's the first time all season that overs have really been north of 45%. So that's what we wound up seeing in Major League Baseball on Saturday, and that's what we're getting trend-wise. Now coming up next, we're going to be joined by John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia. The Gambler does a great job over there with their show, The Lions Change, 8 to 11 p.m. Eastern Time out there on the East Coast, West Coast, 5 to 8 every Monday through Friday. He's going to be joining me next, talking to the Phillies, talking about where we're going to get the in these double dips and so much more right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Dave Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. 
The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow The Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah I, yeah because you gotta think Love he's it. gonna guard he don't care about guarding he's gonna guard he's gonna exactly. guard like you see him in the olympics exactly. he's gonna guard and then on I'm top of it like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, 
But I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't me? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah I, yeah because you gotta think Love he's it. gonna guard he don't care about guarding he's gonna guard he's gonna exactly. guard like you see him in the exactly. Olympics. he's gonna guard and then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that ladies and gentlemen please welcome sam cassell to point game i remember you came out from crying tears <laughs> crying tears. i mean he was in a culture shock and then he's, he's going to withdraw us about winning remember what i told you i said i said og you think i can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't me <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast, and it is great to be joined by our guest as this man is doing a great job over there at Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler, and he hosts a tremendous show. It is called The Line Change. You are able to catch that every Monday through Friday on The Gambler from 8 to 11 p.m. Eastern time. If you're out here on the West Coast, that is 5 to 8 Pacific time. He also does some gaming reviews over there at RP Gamer as well. That is a company that's out there in the great state of Wisconsin, so always warms my heart to be able to see that. And 
to be able to follow John Jansen on Twitter. You're going to notice that his name is Johnny Baseball, and he is at jjansen34 with regards to the handle. And, John, it is great to have you aboard. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to be on. And no Phillies baseball to talk about recently, but maybe for a good reason, because there just hasn't been any, and maybe that's a good thing for all Phillies fans at this point. Yeah, it's so strange what we've been seeing as well, because we have seen two straight rainouts with the Mets and the Phillies. And as we're doing this, we have yet to get confirmed starters for game number two, but you got to think that's going to be Max Scherzer and Kyle Gibson for what is legitimately going to be the third straight day. And <laughs> I mean, it's so strange being able to gauge the same matchup because I'm not sure about you, but I mean, the only thing that I could really be able to do with regards to a change in handicap is take a look at the bullpen and be like, all right, now they're a little bit more rested. But it's just one of those cases in which I feel like the matchup is the matchup. We wound up seeing it in both days. The line opened up right around a minus 125 on the Mets. Wound up getting to about minus 145 to minus 150-ish, depending upon your book. You got to expect we're going to see the same song and dance once again on Sunday, unless if I'm missing something. No, that's what we're going to see, and doubleheaders are tough, especially for the Phillies. Just got to be careful of bullpen and lineup, and I know that sounds pretty simple. You should be looking at that all the time, but I think particularly in doubleheaders for the Phillies because they do have good relievers. Overall, their bullpen isn't good, but they do have good relievers. Like If you take a look at their core, like they have been doing really well this season. You just got to pay attention to who in the bullpen is going to be available. Now, obviously, game one, they're going to be available, so just play it normally. But game two, you know, just check what that lineup's going to look like because obviously DH spot now in the National League and the Phillies have about three guys who need to be in the DH, including Bryce Harper now because of the injury. Just be careful of that, but also the bullpen. I think for the Phillies, it's more important than most because they actually do have some quality relievers. It's just not a lot of them. And so if they use them in the first game, I expect them to obviously not be available in the second one. Yeah, it's been really interesting to see what we've been able to get out of the Philadelphia Phillies bullpen thus far this season because, (laughs) well, you wind up having that six-run lead get completely blown by them and just one of those cases in which we've seen bullpens be so rock-solid this season. And the Phillies, I felt, made some of the best acquisitions out there in the big leagues and that just has to be deflating, in my opinion, for a team to blow a six-run lead like that in the ninth inning because, I mean, it's one of those things that it goes beyond handicapping or anything like that. I think you do have to take a look at the psyche of these guys that perhaps getting rained out the last few days actually wound up doing them a little bit of good rather than having to get back out there. Yeah, you would think so. And for the Phillies, to me, it just seems disjointed right now. But, like, there are signs that, you know, when it does come together, I think a really good baseball team. Because the Phillies, you know, in that game scored seven runs, but the bullpen gave up a bunch. And I know the bullpen ERA, again, overall looks bad, but Brad Hand in a short, you know, six innings, 2.84 ERA, Familia 3.12. Canable's been really good and numbers a little bit inflated because of the last game against the Mets, which is the one that he blew the save. But 3.27 ERA, and it's been much lower than that for most of this season. Jose Alvarado, I think, has been good. Sir Anthony Dominguez just gets better and better. I do think there are good pieces in this bullpen. Obviously, I think there are good pieces in the lineup as well, but it's just, it's not all coming together yet. And finally, we're seeing Wheeler, you know, starting to pitch well. Aaron Nola has been fantastic for the Phillies. Kyle Gibson has an ERA sub three. You know, Ranger Suarez has been able to give them some good innings. So I think there are good signs. It's just disjointed at this point. It's baseball. You're not going to get, you know, great hitting, great pitching all in one game all the time. And it just seems like that's happening more often than not with the Phillies. You know, I do think there are some really positive signs. Again, when you look at their lineup, you know, they have some guys struggling, still one of the top lineups in baseball and a lot of key guys struggling. It's still one of the top lineups. So I do like what I'm seeing. It's just, again, a little disjointed where it's all not coming together yet. 
Yep, I do agree with you. I do think that there are good signs for the Phillies, and there's good signs for the Mets as well, but we have seen yeah, with very both good teams <laughs> in the past few seasons um, not necessarily doing so well down the stretch. So I do think that that needs to be noted as well, as we do have John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler, joining me right here on the podcast, and I talk about the fact that the Mets and the Phillies, they've had some less than seller ends of the season the last few years. The team that has started off slow and has been able to pick it up the last few campaigns, that would be the Atlanta Braves. And I think that they're in an interesting spot on Sunday with them throwing out their Charlie Morton against Aaron Ashby. And right now we're seeing a relatively tight line, right around a minus 115 to a minus 120 on the Atlanta Braves. And I take a look at Charlie Morton. He's really struggled this season for the Atlanta Braves, right around four and a half locks per nine innings. And I do feel like this is sort of what we wound up seeing with them last year. Struggle the first month of the season, but then is able to pick it up. I do think that the Braves have a little bit of value here against the Brewers team that they are 19 and eight, but I almost feel like the Brewers, there's still a little bit of a jury's out situation due to the fact that they have played the Pirates the Reds, and the Cubs so much that that has inflated their record big time. Yeah, it inflated the numbers at the plate, too. I mean, if you look at their lineup numbers, they're just kind of through the roof at this point. Much much more than I thought the Brewers were being. They started this season pretty much in the bottom third of the league in most hitting categories, and now they're one of the top teams, especially in the last week or so. Yeah, the Brewers are hitting well. I'm with you. It's just kind of what you trust at this point. You know, I still trust that Charlie Morton's a good pitcher. A month into the season you know, not doing well, but how much can you trust from just a month? I've been treading lightly with baseball. This is usually when like I love out of the gate and I did well, but like the last week or so has been really tough because we're starting to see either regression in some places finally starting to happen or even, you know, expected regression just not happening. It's a weird part of the season, at least in my eyes, because not everything's settled yet. I think we start seeing that in June, July, where we really start to get what these teams are and these players are going to be for this season. I think at this point, I still can trust Charlie Morton. I'm with you. I like the Braves at home, you know, getting a tight line here. I, I do like that. And I think Charlie Morton can put together a good start for them. You know, that 6.85 ERA is going to go down. I still trust him as a good pitcher. And I think in this matchup, I think we'll see that. I do as well. That's one of the big things I'm going to be taking a look at for Sunday. Are the Atlanta Braves able to get a big win over the Milwaukee Brewers to be able to salvage that series? And what else I'm going to be taking a look at as well is one of the things that we want to discuss with regards to that Mets versus Phillies series and that we've got a bunch of doubleheaders that are going to be going down on Sunday after we had a bunch of doubleheaders that wound up going down on Saturday. And I feel like as a baseball better, these are just the toughest days of the year when you wind up getting a bunch of rainouts because we are probably going to see some pitching changes. Heck, right now, like I mentioned, we think we're getting Mad Max Scherzer we against think. Kyle Gibson <laughs> in game number two, but neither side has confirmed that. If you look on ESPN, you've got Chris Bassett and Chris Eflin for game one, and for game two, you've got nothing listed on either side. So that's a big, giant headache. When you wind up betting doubleheaders like what we're going to be seeing on Sunday, what is just best advice from you personally? Because I do feel like it's one of the trickiest things to do. And I mean, forget baseball handicapping, all handicapping, just because there's really no other sport that deals with something like this. Yeah, it's different. And, you know, obviously when we talked about the Phillies and Mets, like things can change with lineup, you know, bullpens can get exhausted in the first game. You know, it's very tough. I try not to think too hard about it. 
you know, at the end of the day, it's just looking for what I think is the best number. If I find a valuable number and, you know, maybe the Mets are favored a little bit too high in game number two, let's just say that. I'm trying to take the best value because I think in the long run, that's obviously what's going to work in baseball. It's paying attention what happens game one. It's difficult. And again, I try not to think too hard about it. I just try and trust whatever, you know, I'm seeing or, you know, the numbers that I see and not think that, okay, well, you know, game one, all of this stuff happened. Or they, I hate the one of like, oh, well, they lost in game one, so they're going to win in game two. It's just a, a bad way to bet for me. So I just try not to think too hard about it. And obviously, honestly, like if it's nothing that really stands out, doubleheaders are one that I'm very easy to stay off of. Yep. I do not blame you there. And I am with you as well. You don't think that, uh, well, because Team X wound up losing game one. Now they have to win game I two that. because <laughs> I mean, it's like, what if you've got Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer going on one side? Yeah, yeah. that that team that has Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer, but they're probably going to be favorites in both games. So I do think that you do need to go situation by situation. And I do think the big thing with regards to taking a look at doubleheaders as well, as we do have John Jansen joining me on the podcast, is looking at some of these bullpens because sometimes in doubleheaders, you'll see a guy wind up pitching in both game one and game two, whereas there are some relievers that they are unable to do that. And I do think that that's a big handicapping angle as well. I do think that one of the most important things to do when gauging doubleheaders is just taking a look at the bullpen and sort of noticing the guys that they can wind up going on back to backs, these guys that they can wind up giving you multiple innings versus guys that can only go about 20 pitches and guys that can only go about one inning before they wind up tiring out. There are guys that can do it. And again, you know, for a team like the Phillies, their bullpen's so thin that they're, that's a team you obviously do have to check out game one. You know, what's their bullpen looking like? Did they use, let's just say, Brad Hand, Knable, Dominguez, you know, all in the first game. And now they have to go to some other pitchers that aren't so good. They seem to be calling up as well, Francisco Morales, which is one of their top pitchers in the minor league. So at least they're getting some help there. Uh, he's been good. I think nine relief appearances so far this season. Starter turned reliever. Kind of relief appearances so far this season. I don't think he's allowed a single run. So been doing very well. And so at least they're getting maybe help in that way. Other than that, yeah, it's it's still a really thin bullpen. Bullpens, I think the, the one you have to look at the most because the Phillies, I think their lineup, yeah, it's going to be a little bit of mixing and matching, but Girardi's been doing that forever to start the season. And they still have enough mashers in that lineup that even if there is some kind of change or, you know, they mix it around a little bit, there's still always going to be enough pop in that lineup. Yeah, no question. Even a guy like a Kyle Schwarber who's had a little bit of a tough time being able to get on base this season. He still has seven home runs going into the double dip yeah. as well. So I do think that that's a very good point. And I do think that that's something interesting to take a look at with regards to totals as well. We've noticed that with regards to both the Phillies and the Mets, these have had two of the better lineups out there in the big leagues. No question. The Mets, they've got some of the best starting pitching that we've seen this season. So I think that that's something interesting to take a look at. And we're noticing low totals with regards to these games. Initial line that I wound up seeing on DraftKings for the Bassett versus Eflin game was seven. When it wound up going off the board, Mad Max Scherzer, Kyle Gibson, that was another seven as well. And it does seem like things are starting to turn around with regards to what we are all seeing with regards to some of these unders as we sit here right now, midway through the games on Saturday, right around 55 and a half, 56-ish percent of games are starting to go under. And I do feel like the books have overreacted a little bit with these six halves and sevens. And I feel like the last few days have been a good look for the over. And if we continue to get these six half and sevens, I do think that there's still a lot of value on them. 
Yeah, and I think it's being I don't because every time this happens, and I'm sure Major League Baseball is messing with the baseball because it's it's something that has been talked about. Pitchers have talked about it already this season. It's been happening for a few years now. I bet it's happening here. I pretty much understand that it's likely happening. I always feel like it's overblown. This is still you know early on in the season. It was a very short ramp up process from spring, spring training to the regular season. You know, I imagine that plays a part in it. And still, it's cold weather season. Like once things get warmer, you know, and I get one once guys get more comfortable at the plate as they start getting more at bats, I do think the offense is going to come. And this is probably a good time to start doing it. As you said, numbers are kind of overreacting to what it's been for the first month. And everybody seems to be overreacting with it. So I understand it. I don't kind of accept that like, oh, well, this is it. You know, they're just going to never score runs and it's going to be such a low scoring season. I truly don't believe that. I think we're going to see an upswing soon and probably it could start happening. Yep, I am in total agreement with you there, as we do have John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler, joining me on the podcast. And John, is there anything else that's really standing out to you when it comes to the slate for Sunday? Because we've talked about some of these doubleheaders. No doubt we have dove into the National League East teams, but that said, anything else that we haven't really touched upon to this point that is really standing out to you? Well, one pitching matchup that I, I just want to point out, uh, Carlos Rodon against Dakota Hudson's a really good one. This Cardinals-Giants series I'm interested in. Cardinals have been doing well, but so have Milwaukee, and Milwaukee's hitting lately. They're one of the best lineups in baseball in the last uh, week or so. So that's certainly an interesting game, but it's it's just the Red Sox. You know, I think the Red Sox are really bad, but they're going up against Dallas Keuchel, and they're a short favorite on that money line. Is that an opportunity to bet the Red Sox? I just think the Red Sox lineup, it's hard to trust. I understand that, but so have the White Sox recently. And I think I'm getting much better pitching matchup here. I just think fading Dallas Keuchel. Look, I tried to fade Finney Velasquez and he's been great his last two starts. It's a long baseball season. Some of these guys are going to do well at times. But I just think at this point, fading Dallas Keuchel is fine enough for me with a home team that's, I think, short enough on the money line at minus 135. You don't need to tell me twice to fade Dallas Keuchel because, <laughs> boy, oh boy, that guy has not oh, been having a great start to the season. But with that said, a man that has been having a great start to the season, that'd be you, John. You do absolutely amazing work over there with Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler. And fortunately, this was not a talk about the Philadelphia 76ers or else we might be here for the next seven hours. I know that you guys (laughs) over there in Philadelphia, (laughs) it's not just you, it's everyone in the city has some big time thoughts about that. So, I mean, that's very interesting. Obviously, you do a great job holding it down, taking a look at all that's going on with the Eagles offseason. You do a great job with baseball. So, this goes on and on. You cover a little bit of everything with your show. And I know you do a little bit more than just the show, the line change as well. So love the good people at home. Now they're able to follow you on social media and everything that you got going on in general. Yeah, follow me at jjensen34 on Twitter, uh, Fox Sports The Gambler. You can go on the iHeartRadio app and just search up The Gambler, and it comes right up. So definitely check that out. Yeah, you mentioned I review games. I do do that, and it's a fun thing I do. It's like more of a hobby thing than anything, but uh, if you want to check out some of my game reviews, you can check it out there at RP Gamer as well. But yeah, just trucking along with baseball. So you know what's funny? I do dip my hands on a little bit of everything, but my show is a pun on hockey, and I barely know anything about hockey, which is funny so yeah uh, <laughs> so follow me at jjansen34 for all non-hockey related things hey i'm someone that i really enjoy playoff hockey i it's fun it's fun i just can't it's it's too much so i just yeah I, I know it's good to bet too people like betting it oh yeah i'm right there with you because those that bet it they're able to do a relatively solid job i have dipped my hand into there and other than when i wound up taking the washington capitals against the golden knights in the stanley cup a few seasons ago nice. not necessarily so successful it was a little bit of a loss <laughs> of money there and i just say you know what 
let's not dive into something that I know little <laughs> about. So I'm right there with you. I will just rather watch as a casual fan and a man that is anything but casual with regards to the information he deals out. That'd be John because he does an absolutely amazing job over there in the great state of Pennsylvania. It is always great to get him on the podcast. So big thanks to John Jansen for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Decent Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think you could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm not guarding like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. 
I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? 
I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson family of podcasts. Big thanks to John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler, for joining me in the last segment. Not easy to keep things all straight with regards to these double headers, but he's doing his best of being able to do that. Holding it down in the great state of Pennsylvania, taking a look at the Phillies, taking a look at the National League East, and so much more. It's always a pleasure to get him aboard, so big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at unit underscore D1. Going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order with a few exceptions. We go National League games first, then the American League games, and then any interleague games are going to be at the bottom. But also at the bottom are these write-in makeup games from these rainouts that we've been having. And it has been quite the adventure trying to be able to keep up with all of these. So I'm going to clump the double headers all together just so that way I'm not going through the same guys like twice and giving you guys pretty much the same information multiple times. And it'll actually speed things up a little bit. So there is that end. We're going to be starting with one of those double dips. And do note that with regards to double headers, this is subject to quite a bit of change with regards to these pitchers because we have seen a lot of movement here. So I'm going to do my absolute best on these. But do note that unlike most days, there's probably going to be a little bit more movement with regards to these pitchers just given the circumstances. And I do apologize in advance. 901-902 is going to be in conjecture with 935-936 on the banking board. The New York Mets going to be taking on the Philadelphia Phillies. In game one, it's going to be Chris Bass at having a hook, line, and sinker for the Mets. And for the Phillies, Zach Eflin is going to open it up. Be Eflin awful. We've got an initial line of DraftKings, minus 115 on the Mets, minus 105 on the Phillies, total of 7 overs, minus 115, and the under is minus 105. And then you got to assume that the next game is going to be Mad Max Scherzer against Kyle Gibson. And when this went off the board yesterday, you were finding the Mets between a minus 148 and a minus 155 favorite, and right around a plus 135 to a plus 140 on the Phillies with a total of 7 juicy under at right around minus 120 on that under, so gotta assume that that is gonna be the case with this one, and when it comes to game one, I'd be willing to lay up to minus 116 with Chris Bassett and the Mets. You take a look at Bassett, and last year while he was with the Oakland A's, one of the best pitchers at being able to keep the ball in the yard in all of baseball, and did a respectable job on the road. 8-1 record, did wind up giving up right around a home run per nine innings. Opponents hit a 235 off of him compared to a buck 96 at home, but still, rock solid. 15 home runs, giving up an 157 and a third innings overall, and he's going up against a guy in Zach Eflin who He's not Eflin awful. He's not Eflin great. Someone who does a good job of being able to limit walks, four walks in 24 innings, but is going to give up some hard contact. He has given up over nine hits per nine innings. That is an issue. And what else is an issue for the Phillies is having a bottom five bullpen in the big leagues. Despite the fact that they picked up Jurisic Familia, Brad Ann, along with Corey Knavel, this has been a bunch that has been a hot mess with regards to their bullpen. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, been a little bit of an intermiss lineup. Kyle Schwarber has been able to do a good job of being able to go yard for this team with seven home runs 
but that said, he's hitting right around a buck 95 for the team. You've also had JT Ryumito be able to get on base for you. He's hitting a 260 along Gene Segura. You've been dealing with a couple of injuries with regards to Didi Gregorius, but Johan Camargo has been able to step up whenever he's been out. Gregorius himself, when he's in, has been solid. Alec Boehm making errors out there in the field, but at the plate, he's hitting a 300. Bryce Harper is starting to pick it up as well. And for the Mets, this is one of the best lineups that you're going to find out there in the big leagues. Pete Alonso led the league in home runs on the road last season. Ian Francisco Lindor at five this season. Lindor has a 331 on base. You've got yourself a pair of guys hitting a 333 or greater in Mark Hanna, coupled with Jeff McNeil. Eduardo Escobar has a 350 on base. Charlie Marte, one of the best base dealers out there in the big leagues. And for the Mets, they did wind up losing a couple bullpen pieces from last season. Jersey Familia, Aaron Loop, those guys are not out of the fold, but you are able to get some good production out of Drew Smith, Jason Shreve, and company. So I do like the Mets positioning in Bassett versus Eflin. I did wind up saying the total at a 7.4, so at the 7 that we're seeing looking over in the minus 115 currently at DraftKings, that'd be the max I'd be willing to lay. And then with Scherzer versus Gibson, this is literally the third straight game them breaking this now, which it just feels a little bit ridiculous at this point. But with that said, assuming we do wind up getting that matchup, I'd still be willing to lay up to a minus 152 on the money line with regards to Mad Max Scherzer. And if you're taking a look at the run line, what that was at when it wound up going off the board yesterday, you were finding it right around a plus 115. I wound up setting mine at a plus 118, so if we wind up seeing like a minus 148 on the board, like we were seeing when this wound up going off the board yesterday, I would be looking at the money line rather than the run line, because Kyle Gibson has been a relatively solid pitcher for the Philadelphia Phillies, someone who does need to turn on the walks for his career, over three walks per nine innings, but that said, he does have a 293 ERA thus far this season, eight NASDAQ strikeouts per nine innings, so it's been halfway respectable there, and it feels like he's starting to find his groove with the Phillies, but you've also got Matt Max Scherzer, who is just absolutely amazing. He is once again posting up a sub 2-5 ERA. You just take a look at Scherzer, and he has not lost anything on his fastball. Currently a 2-61 ERA, 4-1 record. They wind up getting shelled a little bit in his last start against the Phillies, but I think that he's going to be able to make the adjustments like he always does. Nine plus strikeouts in three out of his last four starts, so I'd be looking if we wind up getting similar numbers to yesterday at the Mets on the money line, and I did wind up saying that total as 7.3. So in both of these spots, a 7 or less is going to be looking over 7 half or higher to the under. So hopefully I was able to do a good job with that double header. How about if we wind up going 903-904 on the betting board? And this is going to be the DK Nation pick as you've got the Atlanta Braves and they are going to be playing us to the Milwaukee Brewers. Aaron Ashby is going to be going for the crew and Charlie Morton is going to be going for the Bravos. The Braves are finding themselves anywhere between minus 113 and minus 115 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the crew, you're finding them pretty much at a plus 105 across the board. 8 to 8.5 is your total on the 8. The over is minus 120. The under is even on the 8.5. Under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even and minus 105. Is that Charlie Morton closer to a minus 150 favorite? I really just do not have a lot of faith here in Aaron Ashby. He sort of went from bullpen to starter, back to the bullpen, back to being a starter. And that just messes with guys. He has some relatively solid numbers this year. 233 ERA. He's got some good specialty pitches and this is a guy with a lot of upside at 23 years old. That said, he's won north of four innings just once this season and for his career, he's been all over the place with regards to his command. 13 walks and 19 and a third innings. He's able to get swings and misses but now he has to go up against an Atlanta Braves lineup that is legitimately one of the best out there in the big leagues. Ozzy, 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 Albies, Albies, Albies. He has been able to get the team six home runs this season. Austin Riley has seven bombs. He's got north of a 350 on base. Matt Olson has an on base as 
is hovering right around a 400. They now have Ronald Acuna Jr. back in the fold. Travis Demright hitting above a 300. So I like what I'm seeing there. And for the Brewers, they've been able to get online with their bats, but there's a little bit of a caveat in that. A lot of those games, and they wound up playing where it gets the poopy Pittsburgh Pirates and the poopy Cincinnati Reds. You wound up having going into Saturday, Rowdy Tellez along with Willie Adamas combining for 46 RBI and 15 home runs. Pretty much all of those game against those tomato can teams. Now Christian Yelich starting to pick it up a little bit. He's not quite back to the MVP form they had a few years ago, but he's looking better. Lorenzo Cain has been rough at the bottom of the lineup, but Colton Wong, he's starting to figure it out. Luis Odias coming back in the fold. That is solid. And for the Brewers, you still have Devin Williams and Josh Hader, the best one-two punch out there in baseball. Jake Cousins has been a little bit hurt, though. Brent Suter hasn't necessarily been himself this season. And for the Atlanta Braves, A.J. Minter, Minter along with Tyler Mazek. Both of these guys are very reliable. You've had some shakiness out there in the bullpen as well. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Colin McHugh wound up entering into Saturday with the ERA, uh, suffering right around a six. But Tyler Thornburg, the former Milwaukee Brewer, actually looks like he's having a little bit of a career resurgence. You're able to get a little bit of length out of Jesse Chavez if needed. Darren O'Day has been able to do a good job. Kenley Jansen, I know a lot of people like to poop on him, but he's relatively solid as well. So I do think that Charlie Morton going to be able to hold it down. I think that he's got a big advantage in this spot because you do take a look at Charlie Morton and he has a 685 ERA this season. No doubt about it. He has not been great, but you wound up seeing him in the first month of 2021 look a little bit rough and then he was able to pick it up from there. His April ERA last season was a 476. We wound up going down, down, down from there and you take a look at Charlie Morton, a guy that just throughout his career has always limited our contact last season. 16 home runs, give it up in 185 and two-thirds innings while being able to get a little bit over 10 punch outs per nine innings. Opponents hit a 203 off of them and I'm just still not convinced that this is a great Brewers lineup. I wound up saying the Braves closer to a minus 150 in this spot. So DK Nation pick is going to be on Atlanta. Do wind up saying my total I had a 7.7. I do think that Morton going to be able to hold down these Milwaukee Brewers bad. So I'm going to be looking at the under and the DK Nation pick going to be on Atlanta. 905, 906 on the betting board. The Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are in Cincinnati and they're on to playing us to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Zach Thompson is going to be going for the Buccos and Tyler Molly. He's going to be on the bump for Cincinnati. Your total on this game is 8. The over saying we're between minus 115 and minus 120. The under saying we're between even a minus 105 if you're looking at the red legs. You're going to be finding them in between minus 130 and minus 135. Plus 115 to plus 120 is what you're finding on the Buccos. Said the Pirates as a very slight favorite. Ding dong, the witch is dead. The Reds finally were able to get a win on Saturday. So good for them. Nobody deserves to lose them all. But with that said, you do take a look at this matchup. And Tyler Molly, even last year, was not good at home. Molly has been atrocious this season. 7-0-1 ERA. At home has actually been better than he has been on the road this season. But you go back to 2021 and in his starts at home, 563 ERA across 15 starts. 19 home runs given up in 78 and a third innings. Now, his strikeouts per nine rate was well above 11, but opponents wound up hitting at 270 off of him. Meanwhile, his ERA dropped by a full three points when he wound up hitting the road. And then you take a look at Zach Thompson. It has been a rough go of it for him this season. 15 and a third innings, giving up four bombs, 10 walks. But you take a look at what he wound up doing in 2021, and I think that there's some positive regression that's doing for him. He wound up pitching 75 innings last season, gave up six home runs. His walks per nine rate was a little bit above three, but opponents hit at 220. Seven off of him. Not a great swing and miss guy, but a guy that's able to give you some swing and miss. And this is a Pirates bullpen that going into the series was a little bit rough, but they had been able to get all the wins for this team. Chris Strand along with David Bernard are guys that you're able to rely upon. 
I even like what you're able to get out of Anthony Banda as well. And for the Reds, they really had to use that wholesale approach in game number two, so they're really going to need to get a lot of length out of Tyler Molly, which he's capable of, but you wind up having Dari Moretta wind up having to open a game yesterday for this team, so that's a little bit rough. They've only got one left-handed arm, like pretty much in the entire Fold and Phillip deal, so it's all righty. So that is going to play into the advantage a little bit more with the Pittsburgh Pirates, with the Pirates. You've been able to get some great production out of some of the veterans. Cabrian A's, Daniel Vogelback, Ben Gale going into game two of that doubleheader, all hitting at least a 275 for this team. Now, in that game two spot, it was Vogelback was the only guy with more than two home runs for the team, so the hard power is not necessarily there, and you've had guys like in Andrew Knapp, Yoshi Satsugo, you're able to throw in there, Jack Swinsky, you are hitting below the Mendoza line of a 200, but you have had those other guys that have been able to do a nice job of being able to step up Ryan Reynolds. I do think he's going to be able to hit a little bit better as well, and for the Cincinnati Reds, you take a look at their lineup for game two, one guy in their lineup was hitting above a 246, you do have Tommy Pham, Brandon Drury are starting to pick it up. Both of these guys do have four home runs on the season going into game two. And I mean, that one guy that was hitting above 250, Matt Reynolds, who wound up entering with, I believe, 14 at bats. So, very small sample size there. Kyle Moran has done nothing. Kyle Farmer, Taylor Naquin. You're able to just throw in there. All these guys are currently struggling. They're without Joey Votto. And even when Joey Votto was in there, I mean, it was a very sad state of affairs there. So, I do take a look at this spot. And I do think that the Pirates, despite the fact that they might be outgunned a little bit with regards to the starting pitching matchup. They are going to be able to win with their bullpen and the Reds. They just aren't providing a lot on offense, but with that said, going into game two of that doubleheader, they had played nine out of their ten games over the total because they pretty much had an ERA a full point higher than any other team out there in the big leagues, and the Pirates are a team that's able to get on base. So my total at 88.3, so here at the eight, I'm looking over, and with the Pirates being an underdog, I'm willing to take the plus money, so going to be looking at the money line. 907-908 on the bang board, the St. Louis Cardinals. They hit the road face off against the San Francisco Giants. Currently, this is a game off the board because it is going to be Dakota Hudson for the St. Louis Cardinals. Right now, the betting board, it is reading to be determined for the San Francisco Giants. ESPN is saying one Carlos Rodan is going to be going for them. And if we do wind up getting, I'll use that same voice, one Carlos Rodan for the Giants, I'm willing to set them as a minus 167 favor. You take a look at what Rodan has been able to do, and it has been absolutely tremendous. 41 punch outs of 29 innings with zero home runs surrendered thus far this season at a buck 55 ERA. I can even go back to last season. He did wind up dealing with a couple of ailments, but when he wasn't injured, this guy was just absolutely incredible. And you take a look at what he did away from Chicago last season. 248 ERA. Gave up 9 home runs in 69 innings. Now he's in San Francisco, obviously different surroundings. But I mean, he proved that he's able to pitch away from his friendly confines of last season. And then you take a look at Dakota Hudson. And he's been a guy that's been able to do a solid job of being able to hold down the fort for this team. He does wind up giving out a couple too many free passes. 11 walks to 25 in the third innings. Just 18 strikeouts to show for it. But you go back to really his last full season before this one, 2019, wound up having a 16-7 and record. It was a little bit lucky as he was giving up right around 1.3 home runs per nine innings, and he did wind up giving up those walks, but was one of the better ground ball pitchers out there in the big leagues. And for the San Francisco Giants, this is a lineup that has been struggling a little bit. Good news for them, Jock Peterson has been back in the fold for this team, a guy that's able to give you six home runs, doing a great job getting on base. But going into what we wound up seeing on Saturday, Joey Bart, Mauricio Dubon, you're able to throw in there Darren Ruff, all hitting below the middle line of 200, but Mikey Stromsky, he's back. He's hitting right around 275. Omar Flores, more like a 265. Luis Gonzalez has been able to give you some good at-bats, and for the Cardinals, this has been one of the better over teams 
in baseball the last three weeks with Nolan Arenado entering into Saturday with seven bombs, hitting at 344. You've been able to get some good production out of Tommy Edmond as well. He's hitting above a three. Paul Goldschmidt, after a rough first, I will call it two weeks of the season, he's really been able to pick it up. Harrison Bader, Yadier Molina, they're starting to come along as well. And for the Cardinals, one of the best bullpens out there in the big leagues, Giovanni Gallegos, Genesis Cabrera, both of these guys have done a great job. You've got TJ McFarland, who I like. Nick Wickren has come over from Cleveland, and he's been able to refine his form. For the Giants last year, they were the only bullpen in the big leagues that wound up having a sub-3 ERA. Now, I feel like they've used their bullpen a little bit too much. They just have not been as effective, especially someone like a Jake McGee, who's got a north of 80 ERA going into Saturday. Camilo Duvall, Jarlin Garcia, these guys are relatively solid, but I do think that if you do wind up getting Carlos Rodon, he's going to be able to go out there, give this team a very nice start, and be able to take a little bit of the pressure off this team. And I did mind saying this out at 6.8. Dakota Hudson does a relatively solid job of being able to keep the ball in the yard back to buy a good bullpen, and same with the Giants. So, 6.5 or lower looking over, 7 or higher to the under, but with the Giants, made them a minus 167 favorite on the money line. As long as I'm getting north of plus 120 on the run line, I would consider that as well. 909-910 on the bank board. The Arizona and Diamondbacks are going to be playing with the Colorado Rockies. One Udamam Marquez is going to be going for the Rockies, and Zach Gallen is going to be on the bump for Arizona. Arizona's finding themselves in between minus 130 and minus 140 favorites. This is going up as I do this podcast. Meanwhile, with the Rockies, open up at plus 105. Now you're finding them anywhere between plus 120 and plus 125, with eight being your total over and under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. I did wind up setting this total at a 6.8. I'm looking at this total under. I love the way that Zach Gallen has been able to fire for the team, and as long as we can keep this below a minus 135, I'm going to take a shot here with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Good value on the team on the open because Zach Gallen has been lights out thus far. How about a buck 27 ERA? Four starts has given up three runs, zero homers, and the big thing with Gallen is that for his career, he gives up right around three and a half walks per nine innings. Four walks in 21 and a third innings. And he's done this while facing off against the Mets twice, the Marlins, and the Dodgers. So he has faced good competition. Meanwhile, the one, Urban Marquez, has been a little bit rough for him as he's currently bolstering an ERA that is a 692 and a 982 ERA on the road thus far this season. And the long ball has earned him six home runs, given up in 26 innings. Now, Irma Marquez is just very infamous for having like a few starts every single year in which it's just a big giant blow up. And you wind up seeing his blow up start in his last start against the Washington Nationals. But honestly, it's his last four starts. He's given up at least four runs in every one of them. So that is a little bit of odd mess. Now, you take a look at what he was able to do in 2021. They wind up posting up a 237. ERA at home, 538 on the road. So he does have some pretty nice home and road splits right there. And for the Colorado Rockies, I mean, they've got big time home and road splits with regards to their offense as well. They're hitting about 45 points higher when they are at Coors Field. Connor Joe, someone that's hitting like a 325 at home, nearly at the Mendoza line on the road. Now, Randall Gritchick, along with Jose Iglesias, two guys that came over in the offseason, they've been relatively consistent home to road. But Chris Bryant has been dealing with some injuries for the team. You've got Ryan McMahon, Elias Diaz being able to get on base for you as well. And CJ Crone, nine home runs overall, but I believe seven of those are at home. And then for the years in the Diamondbacks, they have the worst batting average in the league as a team. But what they do also have is David Peralta and Christian Walker entering into Saturday with a combined 10 home runs. And Dalton Varsho, he's been able to give the team six home runs. He's been able to get on base, sitting right around a 245. Nick Ahmed has been able to give you a little bit of production as well. And for the years in the Diamondbacks, you now have Mark Melanson back in the full. 
struggled after he was dealing with a little bit of an injury. Joe Manette Tipley has an ERA that is hovering right around one. Ian Kennedy, he's been able to do a relatively solid job for this team as well. So, bullpen is coming along for the ride and for the Rockies. Daniel Bart has been able to do a better job this season on the road. You do have a guy that I like, Tyler Kinley, has been able to lock it down. So, I do think that the pitching is going to be rock solid. I do think that Armand Marquez is going to be able to come into his own, especially facing off against a lineup that is dead last in the big leagues with regards to batting average. But I do give the edge here to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Willing to lay up to a minus 134 with them. So, I'm taking a look at that minus 130 and I'm willing to lay it with Arizona. Set my total at 6.8. So, at the 8, I'm also looking under 9, 11, 9, 12 on the bank board. The San Diego Padres are going to be playing us to the Miami Marlins. Trevor Rogers is going to be going for the Fishies. And Joe Musgrove is going to be on the bump for Slam Diego. The Padres are finding themselves as a favorite in this spot. And we're between minus 150 and minus 165. Meanwhile, plus price here on the Marlins is anywhere between plus 140 and plus 145. 6.5 is your total. Over is minus 115 and the under is minus 105. I do wind up saying the Padres as a minus 143 favorite. So at the plus 145 that I'm seeing, I would be willing to take a look at Miami. Now, I will caution you this. This is probably a number that's going to be changing by the time you wind up hearing this podcast because we've just seen a night in and a night out where the Miami Marlins get like 20 to 25 cents of steam. So I could easily see this being a case in which the Padres get down to, say, a minus 135, a minus 140 before first pitch. And that becomes the play being the San Diego Padres because, like I said, it's at this line of minus 143. But Rodgers, he has been a hot mess this season. How about a man that has a 614 ERA? Swing and miss stuff is still there with him. I mean, last season he did a nice job there. But in 18 strikeouts to 22 innings, it feels like he's starting to get figured out a little bit. Walks have always been an issue with him. Four and a half walks per nine innings. Now, I will say as well, this is someone that has always been able to do a better job on the road than at home. 255 road ERA compared to a 277 home ERA last season. And thus far this season, on the road, he's been able to do his best work. And three starts, a buck 69 ERA. Two starts at home at 18 ERA. Now, obviously, that's going to balance out a little bit, but he's always been a relatively solid road pitcher. Meanwhile, you take a look at Joe Musgrove. He has been dynamic. Buck 97 ERA. 4-0 record across five starts. 32 innings. He has won at least six innings in all five of his starts. I believe the only pitcher in the big leagues that's able to say that, giving up two runs or fewer earned runs, I should say, in every one of those contests, giving up just two home runs and two walks in 32 innings. He has been dynastic. Yes, dynamic and fantastic all combined into one and for the San Diego Padres you take a look at this lineup and you've got a pair of absolutely tremendous matchers Eric Cosmer finally living up to that contract along with Manny Machado both of these guys sitting north of a 370 going into what we wound up seeing on Saturday Jake Cronenworth has been a little bit rough he turned Grisham Jerickson Profar you're able to throw in there CJ Abrams they're all hitting a 210 or lower throwing their Matt Beattie as well but with that said when it comes to Jerickson Profar he has been able to get the same 5 home runs 16 RBI so he's been able to get it done there and you take a look at this bullpen. Craig Salmon has been amazing for this team. Steven Wilson has been able to come in, and he's been able to hold down the fort for this bunch as well. You've got to like what you're able to get out of Nobel Christmas. He's able to give you multiple innings for the Miami Marlins. You've got the Anthony's Anthony Bass, Anthony Bender, that have both been able to do a solid job for this team. You wind up bringing in the former Orioles and Tanner Scott along Cole Solzer. Both of these guys have been able to lock it down. Even someone like a Steven Okert has been able to come in and has been able to give this team some relatively solid innings. So I do like what I'm seeing out of both of these bullpens. I do think that Trevor Rodgers is going to be able to do a solid job in this spot, but I did take a look at Joe Musgrove and it is undeniable what he's been able to do. I did wind up saying this out of 6.8. These six halves have just gone a little bit too far, in my opinion, so here at a 6.5, I am willing to go over on that. If we wind up 
getting to a 7 that I would consider the under. And like I said, at current numbers, I'd be willing to take the plus price on the Miami Marlins. But once again, yeah, probably want to be checking back in the AM because we have seen a lot of movement with regards to the Miami Marlins. So I could see this being a case in which they had a plus 140 to a plus 145 as I record. It could be like a plus 115 when this game winds up having first pitch. So as of current numbers, looking at the Miami Marlins, but check back accordingly. And at the 6.5, I'd be willing to take it over. 9.13, 9.14 on the bang board. The LA Dodgers hit the road face off against the Chicago Cubs. Marcus Roman is going to be going for the Cubbies. And Walker Beeler is going to be on the bump for the Dodgers. The Dodgers are finding themselves anywhere between minus 190 and minus 2 dollars. Meanwhile, plus 170 to plus 175 is your price on the Cubs. Now, we currently have no total that is listed up on this game because it is regularly field. The wind winds up dictating a lot of this, but I'm right now seeing the wind blowing out and blowing out at right around 10 to 12 miles per hour. So I did want to saying my total at a 9.1 as a result. So that means a nine or less going to be looking at an over a nine and a half or higher. I'd be taking a look at the under because we have no total. We currently have no run lines with regards to this spot, but at a plus 163 or greater, I'm willing to take a shot here on the Cubs. You wind up having a couple rough starts for Marcus Stroman to begin the season, but now he's been able to pick it up a little bit more. Does have a 513 ERA for this season, but I knew he was one of the toughest luck losers of the season last year in 2021. 302 ERA and had a 10-13 and 13 record despite giving up right around 0.85 home runs per nine innings, 2.2 walks per nine. Opponents hit a 242 off of him. He's not necessarily the world's greatest swing and miss guy, but always does a relatively solid job of being able to hold down the fort. And then you take a look at Walker Buehler, and he did have a little bit of a rough September last season, but he has been able to pick it up, and he's been resurgent this season. A 212 year, I give it up to his two home runs with a 3 and 1 record over the course of his first five starts of the season. And you take a look at what he's been able to do on the road thus far, and he's made two road starts. He has won a combined 14 innings, giving up two runs, and I believe that he's got the only complete game of in the big league swing of his stuff. Down a little bit with them with just 26 strikeouts, but I mean, he's backed up by one of the best bullpens that you're going to find out there in the big leagues. They did wind up having to fill, use up Phil Bickford yesterday, but you still got Danny Hudson out there. You are dealing with an injury to Blake Tryon, but Craig Kimbrell, Reyes, Maranta, these guys are able to do a solid job, and for the Chicago Cubs, they wound up having to dive quite deep into their bullpen yesterday because they did wind up having that double dip, so you wound up having to use up Robbie Gazelman as a little bit of a long guy. Sean Newman, you wound up coming out of the bullpen. Scott Frost, you've got to figure as a candidate to see some innings along with Michael Givens, then you do take a look at this Cubs team, and they're averaging over four runs per game at home this season, but that's thrown way out of whack by the fact that they did wind up having that 21-run outburst against the Pittsburgh Pirates a few weeks ago, so you take a look at someone like Asei Suzuki, still hitting right around a 250 for this team, but that said, he has been starting to regress a little bit. Frank Schwindel has been a little bit hot and cold for the Cubs as well, and then you just take a little bit of a look at Patrick Wisdom, and the strikeouts are very, very costly for this team. 34 punch-outs in his first 81 at-bats, but still a guy that's been able to do an okay job of being able to get on base. Wilson Contreras, not a great batting average, but has been able to draw his walks. Nico Horner has been able to get on base along Jonathan VR, and then you take a look at the Dodgers. A little bit of a rough start to the season for many of the bats. You take a look at Max Muncy along Justin Turner, Cody Bellinger going into game two of the doubleheader that we wound up seeing yesterday, hitting a 215 or lower, but Freddie Freeman now hitting well above of a 310. You've got Trey Turner, who's one of the best base dealers in all of baseball. He's got just one home run, but 20 RBI. This guy just always seems to contribute. Chris Taylor has been solid in this lineup as well. So I do take a look at this spot, and I do think that the Dodgers should be a relatively solid favorite, but I feel like Marcus Stroman is starting to come into his own. It's a Cubs lineup that I mean, it's far from great, but it's certainly far from terrible as well. I think what it's all said and done, they're going to be about a league average lineup. So being able to get north of a plus 165 here with the Cubs, that appeals to me. I'm willing to take it. And like I said, wind, it appears, is going to be blowing out at Wrigley. So a 9 or lower going to be looking at it over a 9.5 or higher. 
going to be taking a look at an under 915-916 on the betting board. Very nearly made this a DK Nation pick, but wanted to go with the Braves instead as you got the Chicago White Sox in the road to face off against the Boston Red Sox. Michael Waka, and I don't need to be, make the dying backman voice because he's been good this year going for the Red Sox, and Dallas Keuchel is going for the White Sox. He probably deserves a dying backman voice with how bad he's been. Total on this game is 8.5. Under any work team, minus 110, minus 120. The over any work team, even a minus 110 with the Sox. The Red Sox, I should say, anywhere between minus 125 and minus 140. White Sox between plus 115 and plus 125. And I did wind up saying the Red Sox as a hefty minus 158 favorite because Dallas Keuchel is absolutely terrible right now, and there's no debating it. By the way, very early game, 8.35 a.m. Pacific time first pitch. And for Keuchel, I don't think this is going to help him out. 15 innings pitch. He has given up 11 walks, and he's not getting any swings and misses. He's given up 19 runs, 14 of which have earned. I mean, this guy has been absolutely terrible this season. He has given up a combined 10 walks in his last two starts with three strikeouts. He's got three strikeouts in his last three starts. I mean, this is ghastly bad. I, this is a guy that wanted winning a Cy Young a couple years ago, and he doesn't look anything like that. And for Michael Walker, this is a guy that has struggled in the abyss for the last few seasons, and all of a sudden, he's pitched well. I mean, he's got a buck 38 ERA through five starts thus far this season. Giving up four runs, including two home runs in 26 innings. Swing and miss stuff is not necessarily great. He's given up three walks per nine innings, but he's done a nice job of holding down the fort. And this is a White Sox lineup that, man, they are a struggling right now. You do take a look at these guys. And Eloy Jimenez is currently dealing with an injury, but you've got A.J. Pollock, Yasmani Grandal, Lori Garcia, all in below a 200 for this team. Jake Berger is on okay. He's hitting right around 260. Along with Luis Robert and Tim Anderson, he's hitting a 340. Jose who seems to be picking up a little bit, but man, it's been a White Sox team that, especially against righties, they have not been able to hit very well. And then you take a look at the Boston Red Sox, you do have some struggling bats with this team as well. Christian Vasquez, Bobby Dahlbeck, Kike Hernandez, Jackie Bradley Jr., Trevor Story, all these guys hitting at 210 or lower. The one guy that I will say in Jackie Bradley Jr., he's going to be continuing to hit there because he's just not very good in general at the plate. You're using him more for his glove, but you've got J.D. Martinez, Rafa. Rafael Devers, Andrew Bogarts, all hitting at least a 290 for the team, and with Devers 38 home runs last season, he's got a double-digit amount of RBI now, so he's been rock solid, and for the Red Sox, it's not a world's greatest bullpen by any stretch of the imagination, but most of the guys that they wound up utilizing yesterday aren't necessarily big keys. Nick Pavetta was able to do a good job of being able to hold it down with the bullpen, so Itakaza Satomona, you got to figure is going to be available for this game at Stram. He's able to do a relatively solid jar along with Matt Barnes, and to take a look at the White Sox, Liam Hendricks is starting to hone it in a little bit more along with Kendall Graveman. Aaron Bummer, Ryan Bird, these guys are able to do an okay job out there in the bullpen. And Bennett Sousa is someone that I think goes a little bit under the radar as well, but I think that Dallas Keuchel just going to wind up getting destroyed. And I think that there's going to be a little bit of negative regression here for Michael Walker. I just can't see him continuing to have quite the production that we've been seeing here. But with that said, I am willing to set the Boston Red Sox as a pretty sizable favorite here of a minus 158. So I'm willing to take them on the money line. Set my total at a 9.1 as also, looking at the 8.5 over, and I'm going to be taking a look at the Sox. Now we've got 9.17, 9.18. That'll be also with 9.33, 9.34. A double dip between the Kansas City Royals and the Baltimore Orioles. It looks like in game number one, we're going to get Daniel Lynch for the Royals and Jordan Lyles for the Baltimore Orioles. And then in game two, Bruce Zimmerman with two ends on Zimmerman is going to be going for the Royals. And Zach Granke is going to be going for the Kansas City Royals and... 
both of these games, I've got as relative pick games here. With Daniel Lynch, set him as a minus 106 favorite against Jordan Lyles. With Zach Granke, set him as a plus 103 underdog against Bruce Zimmerman. So the Zimmerman game, I've got Zimmerman as a very slight favorite. With Jordan Lyles, he's a slight underdog to Daniel Lynch. And in the Granke versus Zimmerman game, semi total at 7.3, so 7 or less looking over 7.5 or higher to the under in Lynch versus Lyles. 8.3 total, so an 8 or less looking at an over 8.5 or higher to the under, but I did take a look at this first one, Lynch versus Lyles. Lyles winds up giving up a lot of hard contact, wound up leading the league in home run surrendered last season. That is not necessarily too great, and you could wind up seeing Tyler Wells as well. I'm seeing that on ESPN, and if it will be Wells instead of Lyles, I'll be honest here, it wouldn't cause too much of an adjustment here. I was sort of figuring that it was going to be the same range regardless, but you do take a look at Lynch and what you're able to get for the Kansas City Royals, and he's actually been really good in his last three starts. It combined three runs surrendered over the course of 16 innings, and that's against the Yankees, the White Sox, and the Minnesota Twins. So teams are actually able to hit. Now, last season, it was a hot mess for Daniel Lynch. First year up there at the big league level, wound up posting up a 469 ERA, but actually had an ERA that was about 2.8 points lower on the road than it was at home. And then you do take a look at Jordan Lyles, a north of 5 ERA last season, this season. I mean, it's been a little bit better, but still not a guy that I want to be trusting in with his 450 ERA and a guy that only gets 7.3 strikeouts per nine innings, walks per nine rate. That is north of three. And when it comes to the Kansas City Royals, it has been a team that's been rough with regards to their offense. They are in the bottom five with regards to run scored. And you take a look at this team. I mean, a 218 batting average. That's just a little bit unacceptable. And you've got a lot of guys that you just need to be able to rely upon to be able to get on base. Salvador Perez, Carlos Santana, Whit Merrifield, Adelberto Mondesi. All these guys are in a buck 67 or lower. Now with Perez, he has been able to give you five home runs. So that has been solid. And under Dozier, whenever he's been out there, he's been able to hit right around at 245 with three home runs. Andrew Benintendi, he's hitting a 350 along with Ed Oliveras. But it certainly has been tough for the Royals thus far, though Bobby Wood Jr. is starting to find it a little bit more. And for the Baltimore Royals, this is another bottom five lineup out there in the big leagues, I will say. Cedric Mullins, Ryan Mountcastle, a pair of guys that hit for 25-plus home runs last season. Both of these guys are able to find it. Mullins and Mountcastle, both hitting between a 243 to a 250. Austin, the Sage kid, he's got a 360 on base, hitting right around 285. Trey Boomba Mancini's hitting a 250, but then you've got that bad bottom of the line. Robin Cedrinos, Anthony Bumboom, Calvin Gutierrez. Ramon Urias, you're able to throw in their Rudnett Odor, all these guys hitting at 215 or lower, and I will say, for the Orioles, the bullpen has been relatively solid this season. Now, I do think that there's going to be a regression. CNL Perez still has not given up an earn run. Felix Bautista is solid, but I think that his 238 ERA is going to go up a little bit. Joey Creeble, he was solid at the beginning part of the season. He's starting to get roughed up a little bit more, and for the Kansas City Royals, it's been a bottom five bullpen with regards to ERA. I think you're going to see positive progression. I do like what you're able to get out of Josh Shamout. Scott Barlow has been relatively solid for the team. Payampas is someone that's able to give you multiple innings, which I do think is going to be very solid for the team, and it's going to be really coming in if Daniel Lynch can't wind up filling a lot of innings in Game 1. And in Game 2, the one thing that you can give to Zach Greinke is that this guy is going to give you a good, honest effort, and he's going to be economical with his pitch count. as went at least five innings in each out of his five starts this season. Now, he's gotten in five starts, seven strikeouts. That is not very good, but also three walks. So, I mean, his walks per nine rate is right around one. His strikeouts per nine rate is right around two, which that's 
honestly pretty hilarious, but I mean, he's been able to do a good job holding down the fort at his advanced age, but then you do take a look at Bruce Zimmerman, and he's been able to do a really good job this season. What really hurt him last season is that he wound up giving up a bunch of cheap home runs out there in Baltimore. Now that you've got the dimensions jammed at Camden Yards, he's been terrific at home. In three starts, he's given up two runs over the course of 14 innings in the city of Baltimore. Opponents are a 216 off of him. He's a kid with a lot of upside, so I do take a look at this spot. Set the Royals a very slight favorite of minus 106 in Lynch versus Lyles, and the Orioles a slight favorite in Granke versus Zimmerman, and in the Zimmerman versus Granke going, 7.3 is my total, so 7 or less looking over, 7.5 or higher to the under, and then Lynch-Lyles 8.3, so 8 or lower looking over, 8.5 or higher to the under. 919-920 is going to be also with 931-932. This is a double dip between the Rangers and the Yankees. We are going to be seeing in game number 1, Dane Gitter-Dunning going for the Texas Rangers, and Garrett Cole going for the New York Yankees, and then Glenn Otto is going to be going in game two for the Texas Rangers, and one Jordan Montgomery is going to be going for the Yankees. We were going to be able to utilize yesterday's game with regards to Otto versus Cole, but unfortunately they wound up getting split up, so now we can't wind up using that as much as a reference, so when Cole versus Otto wound up going off the board, you were seeing Cole's right around minus 240 favorite, and my DK Nation pick was on the over. Now we take a look at both of these games, and I do think that both are going to be able to have some Good scoring with Montgomery versus Otto. Set my total at an 8.7, so an 8.5 or less. I'm going to be looking over. I'm looking at an 8 or less over in Cole versus Zunning, and I'd be surprised if this winds up getting to an 8.5. And, and in both games, Yankees are relatively sizable favor with Cole Dunning. Set Cole minus 232. Montgomery Otto set Montgomery at minus 194. And with regards to the run line, one lay up to about a minus 125 with Cole, up to a minus 105 with Montgomery. You take a look at both of these guys, and both of these guys have had their hiccups and their ups and their downs. And with Jordan Montgomery, he's honestly been the last few years a little bit better on the road than he has been at home. With Garrett Cole, we all know that ever since the sicky stuff, man, he hasn't necessarily been himself. But you do take a look at Garrett Cole, and in the last few starts, it crossed 12 and two-thirds innings. So it was against the Guardians and the Royals. No runs given up. He wound up having just three walks, 15 strikeouts. So that looks a little bit more like the Garrett Cole of old. I'm seeing on ESPN, you might wind up getting John Gray in the start. And if you do wind up getting John Gray, honestly, this is no upgrade to Dane Dunning. Because, I mean, you take a look at John Gray. And last season, he was terrible on the road. He wound up having a 5.22 ERA, giving up nine jacks in 70 and two-thirds innings with opponents hitting a 2.85 off of him. And Dane Dunning, he's got relatively similar road sets, more like a six-ish ERA. I mean, if it's John Gray, I might be willing to drop this to more like a 2.20, 2.25. But either way, it'll be an eight or less to the over, eight and a half or higher to the under because you do have a Rangers bullpen that it is right around about 18th, 19th in the big leagues with regards to ERA. John King has been able to provide a little bit more. Dennis Santana, he's had his ups and his downs and his career, but he's got a sub-2 ERA this season. Matt Bush has been able to figure it out along Joe Barlow, but this is a Yankees bullpen that is absolutely dominant. Number two out there in the big leagues with regards to ERA. Wandy Peralta has been able to do his job ever since walking quite a few guys against the Blue Jays a few weeks ago. Raldis Shaman has locked it in. Miguel Castro has been solid. Jonathan Luizga, other than that series that we wound up seeing against the Baltimore Orioles, has been able to do a good job of being nails, but the reason why I did mind saying my total higher than what we've been seeing the last few days with these matchups is because the Yankees have two ultimate mashers. That'd be Anthony Rizzo and also Aaron Judge, who both have nine home runs apiece. That is tied for the big league lead going into Saturday. Both of these guys have been able to do a nice job getting on base with 355 on base. Giancarlo Sand, five bombs. He's sitting at 265 for the team. DJ LeMayu, Isaiah Canaire Falefa. Both of these guys are hitting right around 295, so that has been good. Even Gleyber Torres is starting to pick it up. And for the Texas Rangers, Corey Seager has been solved for the team inning. 
hitting at 264 home runs, but you need to get a little bit more just consistency with the Rangers. I will say they're averaging right around 4.8 runs per game on the road, but you take a look at Marcus Simeon, Adolis Garcia, Mitch Garver, both of the Caloons, and Willie and Cole Caloon. These guys are all hitting below or at 200 or worse, so that's a bit of an issue for this team. So I do take a look at both of these spots, and I do think that the Yankees should be a good team in both of them. Now with Glenn Otto, I do think that there's a positive progression with him, a sub-3 ERA this season, but you take a look at the starts that he wound up having last season, and he actually came up in the Yankees organization. Wound up having a 927 ERA, wound up allowing opponents to hit for his career right around 285 off of him, and with Jordan Montgomery right around a 370 ERA, both at home and on the road, doesn't wind up giving up a lot of hard contact. So if you do wind up getting both of these matchups, Glenn Otto, Jordan Montgomery, and also Garrett Cole and Dane Dunning with Cole wanted, willing to take him up to about a minus 130 on the run line, minus 232 on the money line. Montgomery, minus 184 on the money line, minus 107 on the run line. And when it comes to Montgomery, Otto, 8.5 or less looking over 9 or higher to the under. And Cole versus Dunning, 8 or less looking over 8.5 or higher to the under. So that is going to clear up that one. 9.21, 9.22 on the bang board. The Toronto Blue Jays hit the road faceoff against the Cleveland Guardians. You've got Connor Pilkington making his first career start for the Guardians. And Alec Manoa. Manoa, what he's going to be going for the Blue Jays. Currently, this is a game that's off the board. But with that said, Mr. Greg Peterson has a line on this game. As I wound up saying, the Blue Jays that is a minus 150 favorite. And I like Connor Pilkington. I think that he's going to be very good for the Cleveland Guardians in future years. But I like fading guys in their first career starts. And you do take a look at Pilkington. He did wind up making a couple of longer relief appearances a little bit earlier on in the season. Then he wanted making three in total. Did not wind up giving up a single run. And this is someone who, if I remember correctly, he was a stud out there in college. I think that he wanted pitching for Mississippi State. And someone that he's got a lot of upside. You take a look at his minor league numbers. He's able to give you some good command. He's able to get some strikeouts. But I do think that this is a spot at which it's going to be a little bit tough going up against Alec Manoa. has been just lights out this year. I mean, 31 innings. He's given up five runs out. Three of those have been home runs. But that said, eight walks, 32 strikeouts. This guy has been absolutely magnificent. And he's done it against good competition. The Yankees twice. The Boston Red Sox. The Houston Astros. He's backed it up time and time again. And he's backed up by a relatively solid bullpen. You do have someone that I do like in... Adam Simber that's able to come in and he's able to hold down the fort for this team. You were hoping for a little bit more length out of Ross Tripling in game two, but with that said, you also take a look at what you're able to get out of someone like a Julian Merriweather needs to pick it up a little bit with regards to ERA, but him getting burnt up, I actually think is a good thing for this team because now you don't have to worry about that. And it's a Toronto Blue Jays lineup that they're starting to pick it up. George Springer, Vlad Guerrero Jr. building above a 275 with Vlad Jr. going into game two of that doubleheader, seven home runs, 19 RB. He's been able to do a nice job, and then do have a bottom of the lineup with guys like Remiel Tapia, Zach Collins, Matt Chapman, that they do need to have a little bit more consistency at the plate, but Lourdes Gurriel, Boba Shett, these guys have had good recent runs, and for the Cleveland Guardians, this has been underrated. One of the better lineups out there in the big leagues. You still have Stephen Kwan hitting above a 300 for the team. Owen Miller still hitting above a 300. Jose Ramirez. I mean, this man, going into game two of that doubleheader. 29 RBI and 7 home runs. He has been rock solid for the team. Amid Rosario, Frame Reyes. These guys have been a little bit of a hot mess, but even Luke Mele has been able to do a nice job out there at the catcher spot for the team. And for the Cleveland Guardians, Emmanuel Classe is one of the best closers you're going to find out there in the big leagues. Trevor Steven has been lights out for the team. Nick Sandler 
Hamlin is able to give you some solid innings as well. Now, you did wind up burning up quite a few bullpen pieces because Shane Bieber did not wind up giving you what you were desiring. So guys like Sam Antiges and Yel De Los Santos, they're not going to be available in this game. And that does wind up hurting the Guardians a little bit as well, or else I probably would be having this a little bit closer to a 140. But that said, I do think that Pilkington going to come in, going to be able to do an okay job. But I just think that Manoa is going to have the Guardians just a little bit dazed and confused in this one. Set the Blue Jays minus 150 on my personal line. It's at the total at 7.3, so he's 7 or less looking over, 7 half or higher looking under. 923, 924 on the main board. The Detroit Tigers going to be in the road face off against the Houston Astros. Yeah, Jake Odorizzi, who's going to be going for the Strohs and for the Detroit Tigers. It is good old to be determined. Right now on the spreadsheet, I literally just had to put bullpen game. I did everything I could to research to the Tigers are going to be throwing out there. We've got absolutely no clue whatsoever. And if you do wind up getting the wholesale approach with the Tigers, I mean, I said the metal plus 146 because the one thing that the Tigers have going for them going into Saturday, number one bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues. Gregory Soto has been tremendous out of the bullpen for the team. Andrew Chafin is now off the injured list. Alex Lang is out. Drew Hutchinson is able to give you multiple innings. Michael Fulmer used to be a starter. He has yet to give up a run this season. And for Fulmer, he hasn't pitched since Wednesday, so you could stretch him out, give him like three innings. Willie Peralta is someone that's able to give you a little bit of length as well. Did wind up pitching on Thursday, but he could conceivably go a few innings. So, And you do have options here for the Detroit Tigers. Problem is, it's a case in which the bats have not necessarily been able to do a great job for this team as well. And with Fulmer, he did wind up pitching yesterday, so that's going to be a little bit tougher for this team. But you do take a look at what you're able to get out of this Detroit Tigers team. You've got Jameer Candelario, Jonathan Scope, Spencer Torkelson, all hitting a 210 or lower for this team, though. I will say, you've got quite a few guys, like a Robbie Grossman, who's hitting about a 275. Awesome Meadows has been dealing with an injury, but Miguel Cabrera has been able to get on base. Derek Hill is hitting about a 285. You're really just going to have a lot of pop in general. Spencer Torkelson has been able to give you three home runs this season, but I believe as a collective, the Tigers currently have 11 bombs. It's just unacceptable. And for the Astros, it's been a little bit rough for this offense as well, but Jose Altuve, he's hitting above a 250. He's been able to get back online. Jordan Alvarez, he's got a 375 on base, eight home runs for him. You've been able to have Michael Brantley be able to get on base. He's hitting about a 280, so these guys are starting to pick it up, and the Astros bullpen has been looking relatively solid as well. Ryan Presley did get used up yesterday, but only for eight pitches. You do have Ryan Stanek who wound up getting burnt up a little bit yesterday as well, but I do think that you're going to be able to get a good inning or two out of Rafael Montero if you need to as well. He's actually been very good this year after he's had a couple of rough seasons out there with teams like the Seattle Mariners and company, but I do take a look at this fight, and I do think that it is a case in which if the Tigers do wind up going with a bullpen game, they're not necessarily as dead in the water as you would think, especially with Jake Odorizzi being a little bit all over the place. I will say for Jake Odorizzi, his last start is probably one of the best ones that he wound up having as a Houston Astro. Wound up going out there, six to two-thirds inning scoreless against the Seattle Mariners, but this is someone that is a little bit all over the place. Has given up at least four runs in two out of his last four starts. Someone that, with regards to the free pass, design walks in 21 and two-thirds innings with only 12 strikeouts, so a little bit of an issue there, but that said, in this spot, figuring that it's going to be a bullpen game against Jake Odorizzi, set the Astros at a minus 146, and they wind up saying my total at an 8.2, so an 8 or lower looking over, 8 after higher to the under, 925, 926 on the bang board. You've got the Minnesota Twins. They're going to be playing OC Oakland A's. Dalton Jeffries is going to be going for the A's, and Chris Paddock is going to be on the bump for the Minnesota Twins. The Twins are finding themselves anywhere between minus 170 and minus 180 favorites. Meanwhile, with Oakland, anywhere between plus 150 and plus 165 is your price, 7 is your total. Under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The over 
covers anywhere between even a minus 105. And with the Minnesota Twins, I did mind saying them at a minus 171 on the money line. Now, you take a look at the run line. You're finding it at a plus 120. With the Twins, I was willing to take anything north of a plus 110 on the run line. So I'm going to reduce the juice here. At current numbers, I'm willing to take a shot here on the Minnesota Twins run line because you take a look at Dalton Jeffries and he's been able to do a solid job for the Oakland A's thus far, but I was figuring that there would be regression and it is starting to set in. And his last season starts, 11 runs given up over the course of nine innings with 15 hits allowed. He's not going to put you on cheaply. Five walks in 24 and two-thirds innings, but right now he's on pace to give up 10 hits for nine innings. He's just not a swing and miss guy. And for Chris Paddock, it's not like he does a tremendous job of being able to get whiffs, but that said, 20 innings thus far this season, 3-1-5 ERA, two walks, zero home runs allowed. He does a better job of being able to draw a softer contact than Dalton Jeffries does. Jeffries that is going to come with time with him. You do take a look at this Oakland AC, man. I mean, the pitching has been solid in this series. Problem is, you really have been getting nothing whatsoever on the bats because, and you just take a look at the guys that they wanted throwing out there on Saturday, and two guys that wanted seeing any sort of an at bat for the Oakland A's left with a batting average above 216. That is absolutely terrible. Sheldon Noisy is hitting above a three air, and Chad Pinner is hitting right around 275, and that is it. You're not getting a lot of hard contact out of these guys. It's been a case in which you have had Sean Murphy be able to give you four home runs. Thus far this season, Chad Binder is up to three, and really nobody else is providing for the team. They don't necessarily draw a lot of walks. And then for the Minnesota Twins, Byron Buxton is one of the best hitters out there in the big leagues. Wound up getting lifted from the game yesterday. He's been dealing with some off-and-on injuries, so that's always something that you do want to be noting. But you do take a look at Max Kepler. He's hitting right around 245. Nick Gordon's hitting about a 250. You've even been able to get something out of the young shortstop and Royce Lewis, who's hitting right around a 285. So got a lot of guys who are able to do a solid job for the team. Luis Arias, who's been injured as well. He's been able to do a good job and for the Minnesota Twins. You do have some issues with regards to the bullpen. You did have Yohan Duran wind up having to pitch two innings yesterday. Danny Columbia, who's been one of their best relievers. He got burnt up yesterday and you're dealing with still an injury to Ore Alcala, which means that Joe Ryan, Emilio Pagan, these are guys that you're going to need to trust in a little bit more, which is a tad bit of an issue, but I do think the Paddock is going to be able to eat up some innings and you take a look at this Oakland A's team, Danny Jimenez, has been able to do a great job out there in the bullpen for the team, but you had to burn up AJ Puck. You had to burn up Sam Mull. Lou Trevino yesterday, but with Trevino, for one, he only wound up using up one pitch, and for two, he's got a north of 10 ERA as well, so I've got a lot more faith here in the Minnesota Twins being able to get to Dalton Jeffries. I think that this should be a little bit of a lower scoring game. I think that we've went a little bit too far in this spot, though. Did wind up setting my total at a 7.7 with the way that Dalton Jeffries is giving up hits, so we'll take the 7 over, and I'm going to take the Minnesota Twins on the run line. 927, 928 on the betting board. It is the Tampa Bay Rays, and they're going to be hitting the road to face off against the Seattle Mariners. Right now, for the Tampa Bay Rays, it looks like they're going to be going with Ryan Yarbrough, but the only question is, is Ryan Yarbrough going to be a bulk guy, or is he going to be a guy that winds up actually starting in this game? And then for the Seattle Mariners, it's going to be the Major League debut of George Kirby from Elon College. And I did wind up saying the Tampa Bay Rays in this spot at a minus 137, figuring that it's going to be Yarbrough in a little bit of a bulk role slash as a starter because George Kirby has never pitched above the double-A level. Now, he's looked quite dynamic at the double-A level thus far this season. He's been able to give the team, I believe, five starts, 24 and two-thirds innings, and he's been able to hold it down with regards to ERA at a 219. And last season, wound up having right around a 253 ERA in his starts between high A and 
in double A, but with that said, he's never pitched above double A. This is someone that has been just a little bit all over the place, does a good job of not necessarily giving up a lot of walks in and half strike guys for nine innings, and he just really doesn't give up home runs at all. But with that said, once again, this is someone that's coming up from the double A level, and he is expected to make his major league debut without ever pitching at the triple A level. So I do think that that is going to be a big giant issue. And I take a look at Ryan Yarbrough. He's got a 1929 ERA thus far. If you remember, 1929 is a year that the Great Depression started, so he's currently got an ERA that's on par with the Great Depression. That is very depressing, but with that said, I do think that he is going to be able to rein it in, wound up having a little bit of a stunted spring training, to say the least, and he wound up being a starter in that first game, and when Yar- Ryan Yarbrough actually comes out of the bullpen, they utilize an opener from his career ERA is actually about a point and a half lower. He is one of the few guys which the opener actually is shown to work for him, and you take a look at Ryan Yarbrough last season, wound up having a 5'11 ERA, was a little bit all over the place, wound up giving up right around 1.4 home runs per nine innings, so I did wind up saying this total had an 8.1, so 8 or less looking at an over 8 half prior to the under, but I do think that the Tampa Bay Rays could be able to get online with their bats. You take a look at Randy Orozarena, and it was a case in which going into the series, he's hitting about a 210, but has been able to bust out these last few games. You've got Wander Franco, Yandy Diaz, Alonjo Ramirez, Isaac Paredes, Manuel Margot, all these guys entering into what we wound up seeing on Saturday, hitting at least a 298 for the team. Not a lot of pop with regards to a lot of these guys. Brandon Lyle, Mike Zanino, both of these guys have not hit for average right around three home runs apiece, but they're starting to come along, and for the Seattle Mariners, Ty France has been amazing for this team, hitting a 325, 21 RBI, five home runs entering into Saturday, and Eugenio Suarez has been able to give the team six bombs thus far, but you've got Jared Kelnick, who had a big home run on Friday, but he, Abraham Toro, you're able to throw in there Jared Kelnick, Cal Raleigh, these guys have just not been able to get on base for you. Adam Frazier has been a little bit hot and cold for this team as well. Jesse Winker has just not been the guy that they were hoping for as well, and the Seattle Mariners bullpen that last year was one of the best out there in the big leagues. It has been failing them thus far. I actually like what I'm seeing out of Anthony Michevich, a sub-3 ERA, Drew second rider, though. He's got a north of 4 ERA, Paul Sewell. He has been a little bit banged up. He's got a north of a 3.8 ERA, Diego Castillo. It's someone that leaves you holding your breath oftentimes a lot as well. He's a former Tampa Bay Ray, and then the Rays, they always do a great job of just being able to utilize their bullpen as well. Matt Weisler spent a little bit up and down for this team, but the guy that's really been catching my eye, Colin Booch, he's been able to have right around a 3-ish ERA. He's had a little bit of a career resurgence. Brooks Raley, he had a couple rough seasons out there in Houston. He's been solid for the team. Jason Adam, J.P. Fireisen, these guys are able to come in and hold down the fort. So I do think that if the Rays do wind up utilizing an opener for Ryan Yarbrough, going to be very beneficial for them. Set the Rays at a minus-137 favorite going up against guy in Kirby. He's going to be making his first career start. I made the run line plus-130 on the Rays. So if I'm able to get plus, north of plus-130 on a minus one and a half. I might consider that as well. And an eight or less looking over eight and a half prior to the under end. We wrap things up with 929, 930 on the bank board, the Washington Nationals. They throw the face off against the LA Angels. Patrick Sandoval is going to be going for the Angels and Eric Fetty Wap is going to be on the bump for the Washington Nationals. So on this game, it is eight and a half. Over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even a minus 110. And if you're looking at the Angels, it is anywhere between minus 175 and minus 195. Plus price here with Washington. Anywhere between plus 160 and plus 170. And with regards to the money line, I set the Angels at a minus 192, and if you're looking at the run line, finding that anywhere between a plus 115 and a plus 105, I was willing to take this as long as I was laying a minus 105 or less, so I'm going to look to reduce the juice on Mr. Eric Fetty Wap and take that run line fading him because you take a look at Mr. Eric Fetty Wap and... Well, it's not been a great go of it for him just throughout his career. He's giving up three and a half walks for nine innings thus far this season. His 466 ERA 
is actually better than what we wound up seeing last year in 2021. 547 ERA just wound up getting tattooed on the road. Wound up giving up right around 1.6 home runs per nine innings. Opponents hit a 280 off of him on the road, so that's a little bit of an issue. And then you take a look at Patrick Sandoval. And this guy's been lights out in four starts this season, giving up three earned runs, zero home runs across those 21 innings. Walks per nine rate, a little bit high. He's been giving up right around four walks per nine innings. You take a look at the 2021 campaign and actually did wind up having a little bit of a heightened ERA at home rather than on the road. And walks were still an issue there, right around 3.7 walks per nine innings. But opponents hit at 215 off of him. He's got really good swing and miss stuff. And for the Angels, you do have a trio of guys in Aaron Loop, Ryan Tapera, along with Rossi Iglesias. They're able to trust it in the bullpen. And for the Washington Nationals, you just don't have that. Tanner Rainey is right now your closer. And he wound up having a north of 70 ERA last season. Arasimo Ramirez has become the long guy for the team. Not necessarily a trustworthy guy. Awesome both. They've moved him to the bullpen. Victor Rano is a very erratic for the team. And you take a look at the Washington Nationals. And certainly you've been able to get some good production out of the lineup as Juan Soto now is. I kid you not, going into Saturday, six home runs and seven RBI. So, I mean, that means that at minimum, he's had five solo home runs. So, that's just hilarious right there. Josh Bell's hitting a 345 for this team. Yadier Hernandez is able to get on base. And then you've got Kibar Ruiz, Mikel Franco, along Cesar Hernandez, only between a 262 and a 277. So, these guys have been rock solid. And then you do take a look at the Angels. And big question I had coming into the season. Our guys not named Trout and Otani going to perform. And Taylor Ward, he has stepped up. Six home runs hitting a 360 going into what we wound up seeing on Saturday. Brandon Marsh is hitting a 250. Odell has been able to do a solid job getting on base. He's been a little bit banged up, but he's been there doing some good things. David Fletcher, Andrew Velasquez has been a little bit tough out there at the bottom of the lineup. And I still, Anthony Rendon has been a big, giant waste of money. But Mike Trout, 325 batting average, six home runs. And even with Shohei Otani having his struggles here at the beginning part of the season, the Angels have been able to create more than enough offense to be able to get the job done. This is a spot in which I did wind up setting my total at an 8.8. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of progression here with regards to Patrick Sandoval's ERA. And this is a lot Washington Nationals team that they've been able to do a solid job of being able to get on base. They have no bullpen whatsoever and Eric Fetty is a guy that I think is going to get destroyed in this spot. So here at the 8 half, I'm willing to go over and with the Angels, willing to take them on the run line with Sandoval going and that will wrap things up for the Sunday edition of the Baseball Betting Show. Now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. A big thanks to John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia The Gambler for joining me in the last segment. If you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at junit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters M. They mean does not matter, size per usual. Please send these into the timeline and the other ways find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, terrible fire and whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast, find that five star review. We're coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. And that means that I'm coming at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.